morning, Daylight Church. Uh, uh, we, we watch this clip, and we all kind of relate to Peter um, at some point in our lives, right? There's, there are times in our lives where we get into a job that, uh, that just seems to just drive us crazy. Or these points in our lives where we feel like we're doing something really boring and mundane, and it's just these little things are just kind of setting us off because we feel like that there's more that we could be doing with our lives. And that's how Peter feels in this clip. And so uh, today what I want to talk to you about is is uh, this idea of this, this fear of missing out on something bigger. So uh, it doesn't help whenever we, we have this thing called social media. So social media, uh, the statistics show that, uh, that if, you are higher, if you use social media at a higher rate than, uh, than the average user, that you are 2.7 times more likely to suffer from depression. And why is that? It's because we compare ourselves to people who are doing all these awesome, great things. You see, you see pictures uh, like, like this one, uh, you know, of people just doing these, these awesome things. And we look at ourselves and we're like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not out here doing these crazy adventures or getting these pictures. You know, what, uh, what, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing to prep? And, and we feel like that we've spent a lot of our years going to school to prep to find ourselves in a job that we're not necessarily happy with. And, and we're in school debt and everything else. And we think, is this really it? Did I do all of this just to sit in these four walls in this office uh, and be driven crazy by my coworkers? Um, and so there's this thing called the fear of missing out. Um, and you, you see this a lot when you study statistics dealing with uh, social media and just, just a psychoanalysis of social media. Is you'll see that there's this, there's this characteristics that we deal with as human beings where we have this fear of missing out on life. Um, so sometimes this creeps over into our walks as Christians, right? This, co- this comes over into our faith and, uh, and what we're doing with our lives. You know, we, we constantly compare ourselves. When we look in the Bible and we see, uh, we see these stories of what the disciples did in the book of Acts. We look at what our friends and coworkers are doing, what, our, what some ministers are doing with their lives. And we think, well, am I really doing all that God has called me to do? So I want to tell you a story about my friend Ben. When I lived in Kansas City... Uh, there, was a, there was a guy that was going to our youth group who had just recently, uh, uh, he started following Jesus, and he used to be a massive drug dealer. Um, and this has been right here. In his area, uh, in Grandview, Missouri, he was, uh, he was really bad in, in just the entire drug trafficking thing. And, um, and he came out of it, and he got just radically on fire for Jesus, right? He was, he was preaching to people. He was passing out water bottles at the skate park. And Ben and I became such close friends. Um, ben was kind of like my brother uh, in Kansas City, where we, we were with each other all the time. I was helping him in his walk with becoming a Christian. And, and he was kind of opening up my eyes to the real world from kind of getting myself out of the bubble that I had really grown up in. And Ben... Uh, there was one night in particular where we sat out uh, at, the, at the house that I used to, to live, and there was like a little like cliffside that oversaw this, in, um, this entire property that had lakes, and it was just it was a, a really great experience. And we would sit out there, and we would talk about the things that we felt God had called us to. Right? He'd be like, man, I just know, I know that I'm supposed to be preaching to people. Uh, I know I haven't been a Christian for very long, but I just feel it in my gut that like, God's calling me to somewhere maybe in Africa or, or you know, reaching people in the streets. I just know that I have this intense calling on my life. And I would sit there and I'd say, man, I know, me too. You know, I, I just feel like God is, is calling me to, 
uh, to travel the world and preach to people and, and this kind of things. We had these honest, like they're good desires to, uh, to do things for God. And we would sit there and we'd dream about it. And just uh, in the last two years, Ben, uh, he moved to Zambia. And he is now a missionary in Zambia. And he has been there for about two years. Uh, and in his time in Zambia, I remember when he called me and said, man, this is it. I feel it. God's calling me to Zambia. And he gets on a plane and he goes and he's there. He's like, I'm only supposed to be there for like maybe six weeks. And he's there and he calls me back and he's like, okay, maybe I'm going to be here for like a, f- a few months. So he stays there for a few months. He's like, okay, I'm never coming back. And he called his mom and said, mom, sell all my things. I'm not coming back to the States. I'm in Zambia now. And Ben is building hospitals. He's planting churches. He's constantly ministering to, to people and, and helping in discipleship and doing all these things that we dreamed about years ago. And one of the crazy stories in Zambia was there was, there was a time where some, some friends of ours from Cincinnati were going over to Zambia for a short-term missions trip, and they were going to meet with Ben and see all the crazy, awesome things that he's been doing. And uh, Ben was stuck in South Africa at the time, and he, he had a, he, they were driving a Land Rover, a Range Rover, whichever one that is, uh, the car, and he, the, the Land Rover, I'm just going to call it that, it's okay, uh, just uh, falls apart on the side of the road, essentially, it breaks down, and they call the customer service line, and they sent a helicopter to fly them back to Zambia, completely free of charge. Yeah, and you talk about amazing customer service, but that's besides the point, that's not, we're not talking about customer service this morning, but... But you see these crazy things that Ben got to do and, and, uh, and going back to Zambia and was able to continue the work that God was doing in Zambia. You know, and so I look at myself and, and when I'm not here at daylight, I work at a coffee shop. Right? That's what I do. You know, we used to sit on the cliffside and we would talk about the things that we're going to do for God. And, and I look at myself and it's easy for me to think about myself as, is this it? You know, I'm, I'm making coffee for people. I'm interacting with people and, and uh, I, I'm getting to know customers and their lives. And, and, but, you know, that you kind of get that anxiety of thinking, you know, that fear of missing out starts creeping in, right? You see these pictures of, of Ben and getting flown from one country to another in, in the continent of Africa. And you're like, man, this is, this is crazy. And what am I really doing with what God has given me? And it's easy for us to compare ourselves to people like Ben or, um, or other missionaries or pastors or evangelists. We think, is, am I really doing what I need to be doing with the gifts that God has given me? Or am I just sitting in an office, staring out the window, daydreaming about what could be? And there's that fear of missing out. And uh, in Ephesians 4.1, uh, it talks about the idea of a calling. Right? So I've been using that word a lot. You know, what does, what does having a calling mean? What does it mean to be called by God to do something? Um, and so we see a verse like this one. I'll go ahead and read it. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul writing, mind you, um, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. But he, it says that to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And it's like, have I, do I have a calling? What, is that, what does that terminology even mean? And so to help understand that passage, we need to understand the context of what Paul is talking about. So we look at Paul's own conversion experience or Paul's own call to ministry. Um, 
I'll, I'll just read, uh, give you some background on it. So Paul was originally called Saul. That was his name. Uh, and Saul was, uh, was traveling around persecuting Christians in the early church. So right after Jesus ascends into heaven, right after the disciples are left here and the church is trying to figure out how to get off the ground and start evangelizing, and the church is really exploding at this point. You're seeing uh, uh, people start following Jesus just everywhere. It's, Christianity is spreading like wildfire, and Saul's primary job is to stop it, especially where Jerusalem is concerned and Israel, the nation of Israel is concerned. He's wanting to squash that. And he's on his way to a city, Damascus, when Jesus himself appears in front of him in the road. Pretty radical kind of meeting with God, a pretty radical calling, where Jesus meets with him in the middle of the road, and from the experience, Saul goes blind, um, and, and Jesus says, go to Damascus and wait. I'm calling you now. I'm Lord now. Go to Damascus and wait, and someone is going to meet you. So that's, that's some background information for this passage I'm about to read. And Ananias was a guy that was living in Damascus. Um, he was there, and he, as far as we know, he was just existing. The Bible doesn't say a whole lot about him. Um, but God starts speaking to Ananias, and Ananias says, Here I am, Lord. And God tells him, I want you to go to the city of Damascus, and I want you to find Paul, and I want you to tell him the things that I'm going to do for him. And Ananias kind of goes against it a little bit. Um, because, uh, yeah, God says, Go, for he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Um, so Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened." So in the story, there are two parts. You see what happens with Paul. And, and usually when you hear this passage preached um, out of uh, Acts, uh, usually when you hear this passage preached, the focus is generally on Saul becoming Paul and becoming a minister. And we're going to take a different look at it today. Um, but I want to talk about the idea of your calling first. Um, to first understand what a calling is, you have to understand that the original calling on your life, the primary calling on your life, is from darkness into light. So when you became a Christian, when you started following Jesus, the biggest thing was that you were trading your old mindset for a new mindset. And that you were coming from darkness, that you were bound, and now you're set free. That, you, that, that idea of, of salvation, soundness in every area, every area or sozo, um, is that idea of salvation that, that God is restoring all things and you're making the transition from darkness to light. And that's, that's the direction. That is your primary calling. Is that in every area of your life, am I making the transition from darkness into light? Am I seeing things the way God sees them? And that's where you start. That's what it starts with having the idea of a calling. And I have some just thoughts and ideas around this idea of a calling. Um, but first I want to say, that sometimes you're just a guy existing in Damascus, right? I look at this picture, and this guy just, he just looks like just some dude just living somewhere, you know? That this, this is what I think of when I think of, of Ananias. Um, that Ananias was a guy that we see in Acts chapter 9, which is the passage that we read on the screen, um, that he was just there. And then he's referenced again in Acts chapter 22 when Paul says that he had a good report among the Jews that lived in Damascus. 
And that's all we know about this guy. But the, the key part of the passage in Acts chapter 9, that I unfortunately I couldn't get the slide up on the screen, but that he says in the middle of his circumstance, he looks up and says, here I am, Lord. And that's a big deal. You know, sometimes that in our lives, we want to see that, that circumstance that we're in and, and say, here I am, God. This, you know, it's surrendering, even, even if you're just in an office and looking out the four walls, uh, looking out the window and daydreaming of what could be, that the posture is still, here I am, Lord, and taking those moments and times of, of making the transition from darkness into light. Um, so going back to the example of, of me working at a coffee shop, you know, I look at my friend Ben and I see all the crazy things he's doing and I, I see what, what I do throughout the week um, and I think about some of my customers and, and some of the people that I get to know their lives uh, each and every day. So I want to tell you about Ray and Chuck. Ray and Chuck come into my store every day and, and Ray, um, we really have gotten to know Ray, uh, especially Ray. Chuck comes in every now and then and we've gotten to know Ray's life story. He comes in and he's always in such a good mood and he's talking to us and we've built this relationship, this closeness to where I can tell Ray about my day, what's been going on, the things that I struggle with or the things that, I, you know, that I've been having some issues with. And I get to talk to Ray and it's, it's such a great uh, interaction every time that he comes in. And Ray and Chuck one time came in together and, and Chuck, was, uh, Chuck seemed disturbed about something and, and I was asking you know, what was going on, I asked Ray, is, is Chuck okay? And Ray said, could you, could you maybe pray, just keep Chuck in your prayers? Um, his brother passed away. And, um, and Chuck is really having a hard time. And so in that, in that moment, working at my store, I was able to kind of find some time and think about it. And I just felt like in that little moment that God was saying, go pray for Chuck right now. Like, don't just pray for him later, you know, which is which is great, you know, you want to be in prayer for people, but, but there's something significant about praying for him right then in that moment. And I felt like God was, was kind of pushing that on my heart. And, and so I, I walked over to the table where they were sitting, and I said, Chuck, do you mind if I just pray with you really quick? And, and he said, certainly, yeah, I would, I would love that. And the three of us sat there at the table, and we prayed, and God was there God was there and was moving, and Chuck was bawling his eyes out as, as, as the Holy Spirit was coming in and comforting him. And, and, uh, and it was a real moment, a real uh, just sweet moment of, of God encountering somebody at a coffee shop. You know, and those times where I would be looking around saying, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? And, and in those moments of still saying, here I am, Lord, that God still speaks to you in those moments, even in the boring and in the mundane and when you're doing the coming in and clocking in and doing the same thing every day and, uh, and punching your time card and going home, that God is still there with you in those moments. And that regardless of what you think your calling might be, whether you want to go to Zambia and do missions or whether you want to uh, or, or, you know, become a pastor or a minister or some kind of thing, that ultimately it starts at the everyday surrender. God, how can I submit to you in my everyday life? In those little moments, how when, when guys like Ray and Chuck come in, when, when Chuck is distressed about his brother, how can I minister to him? How can I help him? So sometimes it means you got to be this guy of saying, here I am, Lord. Um, but some other thoughts about thinking about what you want to go and, and be and what you're called to be. 
is think about what am I doing with the time that I've been given? So a perfect example of this is we look at John the Baptist in the Bible. John the Baptist, Jesus describes, was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven up to that point. John the Baptist, scholars look at, look at history and, and see that if you had a timeline of, the, of John the Baptist's ministry, it really was about somewhere between nine and 11 months. His, his period of ministry on the earth was actually very short. It wasn't even a year long. Um, and and th- those, those points are, are debatable, but th- the general consensus is that he actually wasn't in ministry for very long. And this is somebody that Jesus says was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven up to that point. But what was John the Baptist doing before he started preaching to people and doing ministry? John the Baptist was in the wilderness. Uh, John the Baptist was spending time in prayer and away from people. And it actually says that he spent 30 years in the wilderness. And sometimes we find ourselves that we're in these, these kind of wilderness seasons of our life, right? We, we feel like God may be not be speaking to me, or we feel like we pray and we're not really getting an answer. Um, but we feel like we're stuck in this kind of wilderness period, right? Where we're in an office and we're, you know, stressed out at our job, or we think, is this, is this it? Did I really get to this moment in my life? Um, what's the purpose? What, am I, what, do, what do I have planned five years from now? And we feel like we're stuck in this wilderness, and that's okay. John the Baptist used that wilderness time to spend time with Jesus, because ultimately, he was ministering to God in his prayer and in his worship and that he was devoting and submitting his life to God in every aspect of his life and going where God told him. And then one day, God calls him into ministry. One day, God starts telling him the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Go and preach the gospel because Jesus is coming. The Messiah, the Savior is coming. And that's when John the Baptist goes out. And the thing is, he spent 30 years in the wilderness and the, the short time that he had in his ministry that was less than a year was the most powerful time of ministry that really the world had ever seen up to that point. He did some great things for God, some miracles and, some, uh, and, and people starting to get open to the idea that a Messiah was coming. And, and Jesus says that he was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven up to that point. But he spent a lot of time in the wilderness, a lot. And sometimes we find ourselves in that spot and that's perfectly okay. Um, so one of the things that Jesus, one of the things that Jesus leaves us with in Mark chapter 12 is he talks about the idea that every aspect of our lives needs to be submitted to, to God and that we are to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul and our strength. Let's just read this passage together. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him which commandment is the most important of all. And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all of your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so you don't have to necessarily go to to Zambia or, or go to Thailand. or So we, we have a couple missionaries here from this church, Abby in Thailand, and then we have Ashley that's down in Peru. And then we've, we take trips to, to uh, we took a trip to South Korea and we're taking this Peru missions trip. And, and we, we look at missionaries and, uh, or these things that, you know, looking at it in the natural looks like these crazy great things for God, but really it starts right here. 
that in your daily walk that you are loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. When you wake up in the morning and, and you pray and you, you think to yourself, God, how can I submit this part of myself to you? God, how can I, how can I impact someone's life in my mundane, everyday life? And submitting that to the Holy Spirit and letting him speak to you. I also want to say that sometimes God calls you to Zambia. That happens. Sometimes, like one thing that happened in our lives, my, my brother, um, we, he, went to, he went to a service that was here in Louisville, um, went to one of the churches there, and he saw this band that would come in, this, this gospel group, Eddie James Ministries, um, that would travel and preach and, uh, and do songs, and it was a great experience. And my brother saw the, um, the musicians there, and he started feeling that, that imprint on his heart that, like, this, I feel like God might be calling me to go with this group and play with them. And my brother was not, a, uh, was not at the level of, of uh, he's, he's a professional guitarist at this point. He's a professional musician. And, but he was not at that level at this time. He was 16 years old. And he was still in high school and all these things. And he thought to himself, I think I'm supposed to go. And then Eddie, after the service, comes up and they were talking and, and Kess was like, yeah, if you guys are ever in Louisville and you will need like a guitarist or somebody to help out, you know, I might be willing to help. And Eddie said, well, how about you want to travel on the road with me full time? And my brother was in high school and it didn't make any sense. And, uh, and he was talking to all of us about it and we all felt it. We all felt that maybe, maybe this was God really calling him into something. And so... <laughs> My brother, and this was a wild, and this is not an everyday kind of circumstance, but my brother um, pulled out of public high school, started doing homeschooling, and went on the road and traveled with this group and played guitar, and then it radically changed the course of his life ever since then, all from that one moment that sometimes God calls you to these ex- things that would seem more extravagant. And, and saying yes to those moments, but it starts with loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Sometimes that happens. I've seen people that, that, were, that were school teachers and then they felt like maybe I should be doing more with my degree and, and traveling to a country that, um, that you know, needs help, um, that needs help in their schooling system. And they travel and they, they do missions work. And it's, and, but they felt this radical moment with Jesus that was kind of like a road, the, the uh, Saul on the way to Damascus, that kind of, that ex- kind of experience where God just talks to you and they just know that that's what I'm supposed to do. Sometimes that happens. So I don't want to minimize the fact that, that God definitely jumps in and will intervene and call you somewhere. But it starts with the idea that in every aspect that you are going from darkness into light. That you're going uh, from here. For God who has said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That we may not know what we're called to. We may not know what we want to do yet. But... But that, that's, the, that's the area that we need to be moving towards of going from darkness into light. Sometimes you have people that might be, might be like a Ray and Chuck situation coming into uh, your job or your workplace. Or you may work with people that would seem different than you or people that, uh, that have a different set of values, different set of uh, different belief system, different, um, they, they might not even be Christian or they might be atheist or you might have these people that, that you work with that aren't necessarily Christians or 
or that don't necessarily have share the same beliefs that you might have. But God still wants you to minister to those. And then as disciples of Jesus, it is our calling to love your neighbor as yourself. Going back to Mark 12, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that you would love your neighbor as yourself. So it's okay to be this, this guy, this guy that's on the road in Damascus. And a couple more things I wanted to say about living in the wilderness is being in that wilderness place, when we start thinking about, um, we start seeing people on the outside doing these crazy, awesome things for God, and, and we think, you know, maybe, maybe you're a person that's felt like you are called somewhere, or you have this dream and this vision, and you feel like God is really impressing upon your heart, but what are you doing with the wilderness time to get there? And that's what, that's what John the Baptist was doing. It's because if you look at John the Baptist's story, from before he was born, the, his parents knew he was going to be great and great things were going to happen with him. And so here's a guy that has all this crazy potential and yet he's spending 30 years in the wilderness preparing. So what are you doing with your wilderness time? What are you doing when you're at your office and Milton is playing the radio too loud or your, your boss is, is coming to you and you're constantly forgetting to put the, the cover sheets on the TPS reports, right? What happens in, in those moments where you're staring out the window and you're daydreaming of all the things that could be, but what are you really doing with your wilderness period? And it's perfectly okay and fine to be in the wilderness, but how are you preparing for the things that God may want you to do? So sometimes that means praying for people. Sometimes it means making good coffee. Um, <laughs> if I might just brag on myself a little bit, i just make, make some good coffee. Um, but what I, what I wanted to say, um, there's, there's another slide, guys, that looks like this one, if you could put that up on the screen. The point that I want to make here uh, is, is we don't want to have the fear of missing out. Um, do you guys have that slide? Okay, that's okay. So basically what I want to say to you guys is we have this, this idea that there is a fear of, of missing out, this fear of feeling like that maybe I might not be doing what God has called me to do. And I see these people that are on Instagram and social media and Facebook and all, all the things that people are doing with their lives, especially when it comes to ministry. I see you know people like Ben and their crazy awesome stories, and I think of myself, maybe I'm missing out on something. And what I want to say to you is no FOMO is that I, uh, that you could say to yourself, when you see these things on, the, and when you see these things on your screen, and when you see, um, when you see what everyone else is, is doing, it's like, I love you, no FOMO. I love you, and I'm proud of you. And, but, but I don't fear missing out on that. That's not who I am. Because I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am making this transition, just like you are making this transition. Because I can tell you right now, Ben in Zambia is still thinking about how can I submit my everyday life to Jesus? And I'm in that transition as well. So are you. So is everyone in this room. And that there should never be this fear of missing out, but that you should be comfortable in your wilderness. 
but making that transition in your life to go from darkness to light. When you see passages, one of my favorite passages of scripture talks about, uh, or is in John chapter 15, um, verse 17. That just segment, if you ever want to know where to start in the Bible, start there. Because it's, it's where Jesus is kind of leaving us with uh, a sermon before he ascends, or before uh, he uh, uh, is crucified. And he, that night before he, he's betrayed, he kind of leaves us with this whole passage of scripture that's just got a ton of truth. And, and he talks about abiding in him. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches, abide in me. And, and what, that, what that looks like is, is in those mundane, everyday moments, be thinking about the things that you're reading, be thinking about the things that you're learning um, from Jesus and thinking, am I really submitting every part of my life to Christ? So what we've learned today is don't... Don't be afraid of being this guy. I know he's, he's kind of crazy looking there. He's got a lot of things going on. But don't be afraid to be this guy. Don't be afraid to be this person, just daydreaming, thinking about what could be. Take advantage of your here and now. The kingdom of God is everywhere. The kingdom of God is not just in Zambia. It's not just in the, the missions field or in full-time ministry and pastoring or, or anything like that. The kingdom of God is all of us everywhere all the time. But sometimes God will call you here. But if you're not taking advantage of your wilderness time, then you're not going to be successful here. And so be thinking about every day that, that you wake up in the morning, every day before you go to bed at night, am I really submitting every part of myself to God? Am I really making that transition from darkness into light? Because that's your primary calling. That's where it is.